Hello, and welcome to the podcast for the journal Integrated Environmental Assessment and Management, better known as IEAM. I'm Jenny Shaw. The April 2011 issue of IEAM features a special series of four articles that focus on a new approach to ecological risk assessment called Traits-Based Ecological Risk Assessment, or TERA for short. Joining me today are Paul Vandenbrink and Donald Baird, co-chairs of the CTAC workshop from which these papers originated. Paul is a professor of chemical stress ecology at Wageningen University in the Netherlands, and he also works at Altera, a research institute associated with the university. He's also the president of CTAC. Donald is a research professor at the University of New Brunswick in Canada, as well as a research scientist with the National Water Research Institute of Environment Canada. Paul and Donald, thank you so much for being with us today. It's a pleasure to be here, Jenny. Thank you for having yeah, for me. So will you begin by briefly describing the concept of the traits-based ecological risk assessment and biomonitoring for our listeners? And as a follow-up, will you also tell us about how a traits-based approach for risk assessment differs from the traditional framework? That is, why should listeners adopt a TERA approach over a traditional one? And Donald, you mentioned that you were going to answer this one. Okay, Jenny, it'll be a pleasure. I'll, I'll try and do my best. I guess talking about traits-based ecological risk assessment, the first thing that's useful to do is to, to let people know what we mean by traits. I mean, traits are basically the attributes of organisms, their characteristics that, that we use, for example, for taxonomic identification or for ecological differentiation of one species from another. Um, these so-called traits can be morphological. They could be something like the body shape of an organism, they could be physiological, in other words they may relate to does the organism respire through uh, lungs or by gills or by breathing through its skin. Traits can also be, in addition to morphological and physiological, they can also be ecological characteristics. Uh, for example, does the, the particular species uh, disperse, if it's an aquatic species, does it disperse via the aquatic environment or does it have an aerial dispersal phase like many insect species have. Now, obviously, these basic attributes of species are, are the stuff of ecology and ecologists, have, as part of their science, have explored the relationship between organism traits and the environment to develop theories of how natural communities and food webs are organized and, and how these units can respond to environmental change. In ecological risk assessment, however, we can take the information that's been generated by ecologists through the biological literature and also, as we'll talk about later, in traits databases uh, and use this information as potential predictors of organism sensitivity. And if we're interested, for example, in the response to toxic substances, we can develop relationships based on an understanding of the mechanism behind the relationship between these particular traits and individual stressors. For example, we, we may wish to explore how in insects or crustaceans, exoskeleton thickness influences uptake of a specific toxic substance. Or we may wish to study how possession of particular biochemical pathways might influence the sensitivity of an organism to a specific class of pesticides. In biomonitoring, traits are also useful, uh, and indeed this is a focus of much of the research in my lab, where we're interested in exploring how patterns in, in traits within natural communities, in other words, assemblages of different species, are influenced by environmental gradients. In particular, 
how predefined trait states measured across groups of species can reflect response to ongoing or past exposure to particular environmental stressors or groups of stressors. And in this way, we hope to develop diagnostic tools for the interpretation of biomonitoring data. So that, that's basically trait-based ecological risk assessment and biomonitoring is the use of this trait information to, to develop improved methods for both prospective and retrospective risk assessment. So how does that d differ really from the traditional approach? Well, I guess predict we've always known that predicting species sensitivity, that is why some species are more sensitive to toxic substances, for example, than others, is very important in, in order to estimate risk of exposure and effects within natural communities. The current predictive methods that we have, uh, such as distribution methods, many of the CTAC members will be familiar with the concept of species sensitivity distributions, are based on empirical observations. They, they require lots of data to be generated. In prospective risk assessment, where new chemicals are concerned, new data must be generated to estimate risk. But where a trace-based approach is because we can explore the underlying morphological, physiological, and ecological mechanisms behind response to toxic substances, we can gain some understanding of the mechanism, and this gives us the potential to predict effects in the absence of data. In other words, based on our knowledge of how common traits in other species have determined sensitivity, we can make predictions on unknown species, or, for example, Knowing how traits respond to particular classes of substance allows us to make predictions of, of new substances and how species may respond in terms of sensitivity. And in retrospective risk assessment, trait patterns, for example, within biological samples collected in biomonitoring or from a mesocosm experiment or a field sample, those trait patterns can provide some insight into what's actually happening uh, at that particular location because obviously the pattern of species that we find at sites uh, reflects the, the, the history of exposure to various uh, environmental drivers. Thank you for the thorough explanation. That was a kind of long-winded answer. <laughs> How do you envision a traits-based ERA being incorporated into, say, a statutory framework? Thank you very much, Jenny. Because trait composition is more similar between uh, geographies than taxonomy, I think that trait-based approaches will be developed particularly in large legislative jurisdictions like the US, uh, Canada, and, uh, and the European Union. Just to name an example from, my, from the European Union, where I'm from, the Water Framework Directive aims at a good ecological status which might be easier to define based on traits than on taxonomy because we have different species than, well, in the Netherlands than, for instance, in Poland or in Sweden. Um, the taxonomy will be different, but maybe the traits composition of reference sites will be the same, so it makes sense to set protection goals at the trade level and not at the taxonomic level. Uh, also, if you know the relationship between traits and the sensitivity of species, you can target your testing more, so you can reduce the number of species that need to be tested for a certain risk assessment. And now for risk assessment of a pesticide, I think you need to test at least three fish species. And if we know upfront which trait makes fish sensitive to a particular pesticide, 
we can maybe reduce that to one species. So that's also um, one of the use of traits-based approaches in, in risk assessment. So to, to get away from the whole idea that sensitivity is a random attribute of a species, which is the basic fundament of the species sensitivity distribution uh, method that is currently used in some jurisdictions to address uncertainty in uh, sensitivity. Uh, also, for some risk assessments, recovery of affected populations is of interest. And if you are interested in recovery, then uh, you have to look like at traits of organisms, like their, uh, whether they have insensitive life stages, the number of life cycles they have, the dispersal ability, and the reproduction rate. And therefore, if you want to analyze recovery, especially in a spatially explicit context, then often you end up using uh, models that include those traits. So it doesn't make any sense anymore to do an analysis on taxonomy alone then. For some specific problems like invasive species, it also does not make much sense to do that on a taxonomy base, because the success of an invasive species is again also based on its traits, its dispersal ability, its food preference, uh, its tolerance to pollution, and also again its reproductive rate. But you, you can imagine many more traits. Well, Paul, thank you so much for that explanation. Thank you. Again, for our listeners, you've been listening to Paul Vandenbrink and Donald Baird discuss the special series, Traits-Based Ecological Risk Assessment. You can access the full series of papers in the April 2011 issue of IEAM. Just go to ctacjournals.org. I'm Jenny Shaw, and thank you for listening to the IEAM podcast.